Are you upset with today's headlines? Worried about the high cost of living? Want to get away from it all? CBS offers you Escape. Benny. The two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, Jalo again. It's Buck Benny speaking. It's 2017, and 70 years ago today, Escape had its first broadcast. Escape was a lot like Suspense, but it had a little more action focus to it and adventure focus, and I think you'll really enjoy it. A lot of the same actors would appear in escape that appeared in suspense and would go through to act in Gunsmoke, actually a decent amount of them. And so I think you'll really like these episodes. The first one, this is the audition show, and it stars actor Art Carney. And I haven't had Art Carney in too many um, old-time radio shows, but he's definitely in this one. And it's the same Art Carney that you would recognize more probably as Norton, from The Honeymoon, and it seems like a really different character for him to play, but he was a very serious actor as well as a great comedic actor. So he just did a great job in every role he played. So I think you'll have fun with this one. And following that, after that audition episode, we have the very first episode that was aired, and that is The Man Who Would Be King, and stars Raymond Lawrence. So I think you'll have two great episodes and enjoy both of them, I hope. Um, but without further ado, let's get right into the first episodes of Escape. Time to escape. Escape from now, from here, from yourself. Columbia invites you to voyage into the realms of the imagination. Each week we present adventures of men and women who escape into the misty land between the credible and the incredible. Tonight's story of escape tells of a dummy with a wooden head and wooden arms and even a wooden heart who served a master until one day this master heard him say, I've had enough of you. I don't need you anymore. Escape now into the strange adventure of Eric Hickson and his dummy, Toby. <laughs> is a story told backstage in many an English music hall in London Cabaret when the performers are sitting around waiting to go on or when they finish their evening show. Nobody ever knew very much about Eric Hickson, though many of the turns had played on bills with him. Mostly small-time acts, for it was only at the end of a long, difficult trail that Hickson reached the fashionable West End. 
It was the night after Hickson's opening at the Kit Kat Club. The act which preceded his was just finishing. But instead of taking his position in the wings, Hickson was still sitting in his dressing room. On his knee was his partner, Toby, a small wooden ventriloquist dummy with a painted face. I say, Hickson, what's holding you up? You're on in a minute. Are we? Of course you are. We've got a splendid house out there and I want to introduce you. Wait, Piccolo. Well? We can't go on. What? We can't. It's quite impossible. What nonsense is this? You hear the dancers are going off. It's He's Toby, Piccolo. Toby, he refuses to talk. Toby, you're dummy? Yes, I can't get a word out of him. Hickson, what is this? A rib? Certainly not. Well, you're a ventriloquist, aren't you? At least you were last night. <laughs> Let the customers talk and hold hands. Huh? The stage is just as empty and we're on it. Toby. Hickson, what the devil are you up? Go on, go on, Bigelow. Get out there and tell them we're not appearing. So your dummy won't talk, won't he? It's the very first time he's spoken all evening, I swear it. Who'd want to say anything ever again after those reviews we got on our opening last night? He knows he's beyond his depth here, Bigelow. He's frightened. Stop this gagging of all nights when you should want to be particularly good with Mel Baxter in the house. Mel Baxter? The American ventriloquist? Yes, the star of the American wireless. And he married that gorgeous blonde in his last picture. Yes, she's with him at the table out there. Uh, what, oh, what kind of nonsense am I talking to this dummy? Dummy yourself. Go on, big mouth. Get out there and introduce her. I want to see Mel Baxter. And now, ladies and gentlemen, before I present to you our next feature turn, I'd like to call on a distinguished artist who's here tonight. You've all heard him on the American Wireless and seen him in the American cinema. Mel Baxter! Stand up, Mel! Stand up and enjoy that well-known Kit Kat hospitality. Ah, oh, you're very, very nice people. Thank you. Thank you. Always nice to visit London. And isn't that charming lady with you, Mrs. Baxter? That's right. Stand up and take a bow, baby. Everybody. Thank you, Mrs. Baxter. Oh, Mel, did you bring your little pal Muggsy Martin along on this trip? No, no, I didn't. The little toothpick gets seasick. <laughs> oh, what a pity. Yeah, yeah, it is. He says every time he sees me, he gets seasick. <laughs> oh, that gag's aged in the wood, but so's Muggsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Mrs. Baxter is a much pleasanter burden on your knee, Mel. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, and have fun. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring on an act that should make our American visitor feel lonesome for the missing Muggsy Martin, our own British ventriloquist, Eric Hickson and his talking timber, Toby! <laughs> That man over there looks like the truant officer. Oh, that shouldn't trouble you, Toby. You've been a very good boy, haven't you? Oh, yes, but I'm not in school. Do you mean to say you've left school? Oh, yes. Appendicitis, you know. You left school because you have appendicitis? I don't have it. Can't spell it. <laughs> you know, Toby, Toby, I saw a very strange sight the other day. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Must we go on? Toby. I said I saw a very strange sight the other day. All right, all right, I'll go along with the gag. Talk about Muggsy Martin's jokes being aged in the wood. Toby. Let's get on with it. You saw a very strange sight the other day. What was it? 
Twelve men standing under one umbrella, and not one of them got wet. And why not? It wasn't raining. <laughs> Did you hear that laugh, Fixum? They're forcing themselves to laugh. Do you blame them, Mr. Baxter? Toby, leave Mr. Baxter out of this. Leave me alone, Hickson. Oh, what about it, Mr. Baxter? Don't you feel sorry for me having to play along with Hickson's old jokes? Well, now, Toby, I don't know. I have great respect for old jokes. Old jokes are not to be laughed at. <laughs> in fact, in fact, one of my favorite jokes is the old one about the man whose name was Joe Hitler, and he wanted to change his name. So the judge asked him what he wanted to change it to, and he said George Hitler, because he was tired of people saying to him, Hello, Joe, what do you know? <laughs> oh, dear me, dear me, dear me. Is that strange sound laughter, Hickson? Yes. Thank you very much for your valuable contribution, Mr. Baxter. Oh, not at all, Mr. Hickson. I was just standing here with 11 other guys waiting for you to borrow another umbrella. <laughs> I suppose all your gags are original, Mr. Baxter. But of course, it's a gift. <laughs> and I've no doubt that you hang up your stockings for them every Christmas. Sure, and I always get sock gags. <laughs> when you try to top a real comedian, and Mr. Baxter will go right on top of you for the rest of the night. Uh, give up and get off, Hickson. Give up and get off. Anyone in there? Who is it? Now, Baxter, Hickson. Mr. Baxter? Well? How do you do? Mind if we come in for a minute? All right. If you like. Um, uh, this is my wife, honey, Mr. Hickson. Mrs. Baxter. Hello, Mr. Hickson. Won't you sit down? Just throw that dressing gown on the floor. Oh, thanks. Well, so this is your boy, huh? Nice carving job. <laughs> I'm very handsome. Uh, don't you think so, Mrs. Baxter? You're a dream man, Toby. <laughs> Who made him for you? Don't put your hands on him. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Haven't you done enough damage tonight? Oh, now, look, Hickson. You asked for it out there. I asked for nothing. It was Toby. Got me into that. Toby? <laughs> oh, now, Toby, aren't you ashamed? I asked you I... not to touch him. Mr. Hickson, you don't think Mel would steal him, do you? I can take no chances. Well, you sure take him seriously, don't you? Well, relax. I do all right with Muggsy, my own dummy. So I've heard. Yes. And you sure surprised me with that little act out front. Your own part in it surprised me. My part? Well, you wanted some kind of comeback, didn't you? You asked for it, Mr. Hickson. You needn't Hickson. explain anything. You see, Mr. Baxter, Hickson's attitude requires a certain amount of sympathy. Uh, he's quite aware he's not our equal. Oh, now, look, Keep quiet, Hickson. Toby. Mr. Baxter, just why did you come to my dressing room? Well, uh, professional courtesy. If you've come here to make some sort of a bargain to buy Toby, it's no use. You can never have him. Now, wait, Hickson. Yes, wait, Hickson. I won't have it, Toby. Never, never. Whatever the Baxters have to say to me is my affair. Uh, why don't you pretend you're a gentleman and make a graceful exit? Oh, really, Toby, if you're trying to make me look ridiculous... I'm succeeding. <laughs> yes, I know. Now go on over behind the screen and get your makeup off. Very well. But I warn you. Beat it! Uh, pay no attention to him, Mrs. Baxter. No, I don't. I don't understand. This fellow's amazing. No, not at all. He's stupid, really. Constantly interfering in my affairs. Uh, Mrs. Baxter, now that we're alone, may I tell you something? 
Something I'm sure you've heard before. Well, what is it, Toby? You're very beautiful. I'm very fond of you, Mrs. Baxter. And whatever Hickson thinks, you're really a very nice woman. Oh, now look here. Mel, I don't like this. Hickson. Yes? Come out here. Well? What is it? Just how far do you want to carry a gag? A gag? Either you apologize to my apologize wife... Apologize for what? Really, Mr. Baxter, I don't know what you're talking about. Mel, let's leave. You're not going to leave me, are you, Mrs. Baxter? Please don't. Oh, you're a very funny guy, Hickson. Take me with you, Mr. Baxter. I just want to be near her. If you're afraid I'll make love to her, you needn't worry. I will. Okay, Hickson, you asked for it. No, Mel. Don't hit him. Don't hit him. Oh, Mel. Mel, why did you do it? Hey, here now. Here now. Well, well, what's going on? I don't know what's eating this guy. A gag's a gag, but he doesn't know when to stop. Looks a bit done in. Well, he had it coming to him. Glad he didn't break the dummy when he fell. Yes, that would have been a shame. He's such a cute little fella. Oh, and you do care what happens to me. I love you, Mrs. Baxter. I love you. Feeling all right again, old chap? Uh, yes, quite. Thank you, Bigelow. Oh, good night, then. No, it's not good night. This is goodbye. What's that? Yes, the manager sacked us, Toby and me. Oh, well, now that's a pity. <laughs> go on, say it. You're quite sure we had it coming to us. Well, you did go too far with the Baxter. I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with what Toby said. Oh, I it say. It was Baxter. It was Baxter who put those words into Toby's mouth. He's trying to steal him from me. Oh, now see here, don't... It took us 15 years to make the Kit Kat. And we had only two nights here. You just think what Toby and I have done together. We've fought our way to the very top. After years of cheap, dirty music halls. Starving. Out at the elbow. Oh, you know what it's like, Bigelow. Always trying to perfect the act. <laughs> Toby's a partner anyone would want. And Baxter's no exception. All right, all right, old boy. Then you'd better take good care of Toby. No, never fear. I'll never fear. I shall. He's locked in my dressing room right now. And tonight and every other night, we are going to sleep behind locked doors until Mel Baxter leaves London. Be careful. It's Hickson. And the door isn't locked. Where is Toby? Get out, Hickson. I've come for Toby. Where is he? You've stolen Toby from me and I've come to take him back. I haven't seen your dummy since we were in your dressing room tonight. You lie! You came and stole him from me whilst I was asleep. Sure, sure. I never travel without my burglar tools. Now listen, Hickson. I only knocked you down before, but this time I'm going to finish a job. Mel! I'll handle this my way, baby. No, no, Mel. Look. On the floor. What? On the floor at the foot of my bed. Toby! What? Oh, Claudia, how did... Toby, there you are. 
I found you. Oh, my poor little Turvey. He kidnapped you. Now, look, Hickson, I haven't the slightest idea how your no. dummy got here. Turvey, well, speak look to how me. he's shaking that awful thing. Wake up, Turvey. He's trying to wake it up. Oh, come now. You're not deceiving me. You know I'm here. Go away and leave me alone. I'm through with you, Hickson. I can't stand it, Mel. Easy, baby. Now, look here, Hickson. Maybe you're ill or mad or something. Ill? You took Toby away from me and you say I'm ill? I didn't take him. You brought him here. You must have. Maybe while you were walking in your sleep. Melly's got a gun. He won't shoot. Come with me, Toby. We're going home again. No, Hickson. I won't go with you. I'm going to stay here forever. What? This is some trick. Baxter, you've influenced him against me. You're putting words into his mouth. Oh, look, Hickson, will you relax? I tell you I had nothing to do with this. I couldn't have. Nothing to do with it? You're a devil, Baxter. You tried to steal Toby away from me, and now you're trying to drive me mad! Hickson, will you listen to reason? No! No, I won't listen to reason. I won't. Beastly man. Pick up this gun before you hit somebody with a baby. I've got it, Mel. Say it's not true. Stay where you are, Hickson. What? Oh, no. Oh, no, I'll do nothing of this sort. You're insane. Hickson, you're the one who's sick. I'm trying to help you. Help me! You're trying to take Toby away from me. Look, will you let me get a doctor for No! You fool! You'll never get Toby away from me. I'll take him where you'll never see him again. Never! Hickson! Claudia, that man's desperately ill. We've got to get a doctor. I suppose we should have called the cops, doctor, but... Well, Hickson's in the profession, and if he's sick, we'd rather have a doctor look after him. I appreciate your sentiments, Mr. Baxter. What's made him act this way? What's wrong with him? I can't give an opinion without seeing him, without talking with him. But perhaps your husband may have some ideas. Me? You're a ventriloquist, Mr. Baxter, but a more successful one than Hickson. And two, you're happily married, less introspective, perhaps. Isn't it quite possible that Hickson, in his loneliness, his struggles for success may have become so accustomed to thinking as two people that the personalities have actually become divided. Why, I... I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see how that might happen. You mean he, he thinks he's two people? No, Mrs. Baxter, he doesn't think he's two people. It's possible he doesn't know these personalities have become divided. That Toby now might be said to live within Hickson without Hickson's knowing. And Then what's going to happen to him? Well, it's something he'll have to fight out within himself. If we can keep the dummy away from him, he may recover. Oh, but, Doctor, he took it with him. Then we've no time to lose. Where does he live? Have you any idea? No, but I can find out. Well, then we'd better go at once. He must be separated from that dummy. (laughs) Oh, here you are, Hickson, right? Back where you started. Be quiet, you fool. Be quiet. You can't keep me quiet. You never could. Where would you have been if I'd kept quiet? How can you be so ungrateful? I made you what you are. <laughs> you made me until I came along. You were very small time, Hickson. Very small time. You've forgotten that you're nothing but a lifeless, useless stick of wood without me. A lifeless, useless stick of wood, am I? It was I she liked, not you. It was I Mrs. Baxter spoke kindly to. It was I she smiled at, not you. But you wouldn't even be here without me. A lifeless, useless stick of wood. You couldn't even get up the nerve to kill Baxter tonight. Kill him? Yeah. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
You wanted me to kill him. Why didn't you kill him? Then she could have belonged to me. I could be with her forever. Oh, 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 you fool. You know that's impossible. You're just saying that. You're jealous. 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 Toby. Toby, please. Don't say these things. It's the truth. You're a weakling, a coward. Toby, I beg you. You mean nothing to me anymore, Hickson. You're weak. No, no, I'm not. You monster. Oh, more than the mind can bear. I can't stand it. I, I've got to get rid of you. I, I'll kill you. I'll destroy you. Hickson, take your hands off me. I'm through with you. Take your hands off me. No, I'll kill you. You, you vulgar little beast. Excellent. Stop. Die. You monster. Break your head. Filthy beast. Come on. No. No. Dark bat, you little monster. You died, you hear? Now tell me I'm weak. You can't kill me, Hicks. No matter how you try, you can't kill me. You're still a failure. I'll show you who's a failure! <laughs> Toby, Toby, what have I done? Toby, Toby, I never meant to. Answer me, answer me, Toby. There he is, Doctor. Man, we're too late. Now, easy now. Perhaps he's only fainted. Doctor, Doctor, look. The dummy. <gasps> Smashed to bits. I can't believe it's real. Easy, honey. Take it easy. Hickson's breathing. He's just out for a minute. Oh, Mel. What'll happen when he comes to? And he realizes what he's done to Toby. Oh, how are you, Hickson? Steady now. You're coming around all right. There you see, honey. It's all right. He's opening his eyes. No, no, no. Don't try to sit up, Hickson. No. Just lie back and be still for a moment. He's looking for Toby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he sees him. No, no, no. Uh, Don't try to sit up, Hickson. Your dummy's a bit cracked up, but I guess he can be fixed. Fixed, eh? He said he'd kill me. But I told him he couldn't. Mel. Doctor. Doctor, it's Hickson speaking in Toby's voice. He said he'd kill me. As if he could, eh, Mr. Baxter? Doctor, what about Hickson? Hickson himself. I've never seen anything like this. Oh, Hickson, Hickson, speak up, man. <laughs> Quick, Baxter, put that dummy together again. Well, it's pretty badly I smashed. I don't care. Hold him together if you have to. I'll do what I can. What good will it do, Doctor? It's our one chance to help this man. See, Hickson? Here's Toby. See, he's all right. Here he is. Hickson won't appreciate what you're doing, Mr. Baxter. Now you're giving me... Back to him. He thought you were trying to steal me away from him. Mr. Hickson! Hmm? Oh, yeah, it's you, Mrs. Baxter. I... 
Toby. Toby, what's happened to you? Oh, you and Toby both had a little accident, Mr. Hickson. Baxter! Mr. Baxter had nothing to do with it. He and Mrs. Baxter are your friends. They were worried about you. They called me. I'm a doctor. Oh, I see. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you awfully. Well, we told the doctor how Toby had been acting up this evening. Oh, yes. Well, now I remember. Yes. Yes, you were a very bad boy, Toby. You said so, so many things that I didn't put into your mouth. You can't go on like this, you know. If he acts to succeed, you ruined us tonight, Toby. It's going to be a long, hard fight to get back. I'm not really angry with you, Hickson. I'm glad. We are dependent on each other, Toby. You know that. Promise me you'll behave from now on. Promise you won't say anything I don't put into your mouth. I promise. <laughs> but still, I can have my own ideas. Tonight's voyage of escape into the realms that lie between the credible and the incredible has ended. But we hasten to invite you to voyage with us at the same time next week when we will bring you the strange adventure of a man who searched the Brazilian jungles for a diamond as big as the Ritz. Your ticket for the voyage is merely your desire to join all hands aboard when CBS again presents Escape. Dead of Night was adapted by the CBS Division of Program Writing from the Universal Motion Picture. Barry Kroger appeared as Eric Hickson, Art Carney as Toby the Dummy. Escape is a CBS feature production directed by John Moseman. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. into the world of adventure. Time to forget for the next half hour the four walls of today and escape beyond the horizons of the mind to yesterday and tomorrow. CBS and its affiliated stations present Escape. Tonight we escape with Rudyard Kipling and the two gentle scoundrels he created in his immortal story The Man Who Would Be King. The time... Sometime before yesterday, the place, the north of India, the man who tells the story, Rudyard Kipling. One Saturday night, 
It was my unpleasant duty to put the paper to bed alone. It was a pitchy black night, as stifling as night can be in India in June. It was very still, save for the ticking of the clock above my desk, which seemed to shatter the black heat of the night as the hands crept toward 3 a.m. And then from the passage outside my door, I heard voices. Open the door. Who's there? Only us. Who are you? He don't remember us, Dan. (laughs) That he don't. How could he forget having us turned back at the Jodhpur border? Told the authorities we was impersonating newspaper reporters, he did. Wait. That flaming red beard and that bald head. Why, why you're Daniel Dravitt and Peachy Carnahan. The same. Well, what do you want? If it's money, I haven't any. If it's a fight, it's simply too beastly hot. You can rest yourself easy, sir, because we've come asking for naught except some information. We've been all over this country... And we've concluded that India isn't big enough for such as Daniel and me. So we're going away to be kings. Kings in our own divine right. What? Aye, we shall be kings. We've signed a solemn contract. Each to help the other, and neither of us to take a look at liquor or women until we become kings. Why, I've never heard of such a fantastic idea. But what is it you want of me? Naught but to look at such maps of Kafiristan as you might have about. Maps of Kafiristan? That's where we've decided to go. But don't you realize that not one single Englishman has ever gone into the Kafiristan mountains and lived to come out again? If you're really mad enough to go there, you're a good deal more likely to become dead men than kings. We shall see. Anyway, I don't believe you have the slightest intention of traveling a mile outside of Delhi. Then you should come down to the Serai marketplace in the morning, down where the caravans leave for the north. Yes, come down to the Serai in the morning and see then if we be liars. Who will take the You should not laugh at him, Saib. The witless are under the protection of Allah. Quite so, boy. Who is the fellow anyway? A mad priest, Saib, who has arrived only this morning from Ajmer. Ah, yes, Saib. Come to look at my camels, loaded with toys to please the eye of an Amir. Oh, here now. Go about your business. I haven't any use for toys. These are wondrous toys indeed, Saib. Fit for a king of Kafiristan. What? Good Lord. Daniel Dravitt. Quiet. Come along. I've two camels just beyond the wall here. The blessings of Pir Khan on the gracious Sahib who consents to look at the poor toys of a priest from Ajmer. Over this way. Where's Carnahan? Here we are. Permit me to present my servant, Hazir Mir Khan. At your service, good man. Well, I'll be... <laughs> you Do you like our disguises? Do they pass? If they fool this crowd in the Serai, they're probably good enough to get you across the border and good enough to get you killed. Getting killed is no part of the contract Peachy and me drawed up. Although perhaps killing fits in with our plans in a different sense. Feel around underneath the toys there in the camel bags. What? Go ahead. Good Lord. Rifles. Twenty brand new martinis with ammunition to match. And twenty good reasons to make your death certain. Any Pathan of the hill tribes would kill his own mother to get a rifle. Now who would harm a poor mad priest, Sahib? 
<laughs> Ella protects me. Mad is right. Then so was Lord Clive and Rhodes and Bonaparte. Drive out the camels, Peachy. We've a long way to go before we become kings. Oh, hey, hop. As I stood and listened to the camel bells fade away in the distance, I wondered, wondered if it might not be a glorious thing to go to Kafiristan and be a king. Three years pass in India, much as they pass in any other land. It grows hot, then the rains come, and then the heat again. Some colonel at a hill station puts down an uprising. A new viceroy comes out from London, and the paper duly records the death of a sultan in Rajputana, and the trees in the courtyard grow a few feet taller. Finally, time in its circle turned up another night, much like the one three years before. Once again, I sat alone in the office, listening to the clock and waiting for some unimportant item to come over the wire from Europe. It was long after midnight when my office door slowly opened. I say, look here, you, you might knock first, you know. Knock. Knock. Good Lord, man. What's wrong? I... Uh, you don't know who I am, do you? No. No, I haven't the faintest idea. Uh, but here, you'd better sit down, old fellow. You're in a bad way. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's a whole year I've been walking. Right here in this very office we settled it. You sitting right there and giving us the maps. <laughs> you, you've been sitting there ever since. Three years. No. Oh, no. Why, a man couldn't change that much in three years. You're not Peachy Carnahan. Yes. I was king of Kafiristan. Me and Daniel Dravet. Real crown kings we was. Just as true as gospel. What in the name of heaven had they done to you, Peachy? Peachy? I, I knew Peachy Carnahan once. He's a king. Wears a real golden crown on his head. So help me, he does. He is dead now, though. No, no, no. You're, you're Peachy Carnahan. You must pull yourself together, man. Yes. Pull myself. You, you've got to keep looking into my eyes. Then maybe everything will go to pieces. All right. Now, tell me what happened, Peachy. We left the caravan at Jagdala. We struck off into the hills alone. Go on. Weeks it was we traveled, Daniel and me. First there wasn't no roads, and after a while, no food. But there was always the drums. Sometimes there was close, and sometimes farther off. But most of the time, we could hear them somewhere. Oi, hop! Move along, hop! 
Here now. It's no place to be stopping up with you. I'm fearing it's no use, Daniel. What's got into them? The poor beasts are done in and starved, same as ourselves. They'll go no further. Then we'll go on without them. I've not come this far to die on the side of a mountain. Wait. Look, Daniel. Over the edge of the rocks. What? Oh, men they are. There'll be a score or more of them. One goes ahead of the rest. And naught but bows and arrows. Break out a pair of the rifles, Peachy. Right you are, Daniel. It's now that we start to become kings. Here, here, and some cartridges too. Easy now, Peachy. I'll drop the straggler at the rear first, and then we'll lay a few at their feet. No arm to the one in front. We may need him. Now. Stop him by the old neck. They are Peachy. Hold it, Daniel. Look at them. I flat on their blooming faces. The leader is come out alone. Well and good, and we'll go part way to meet him, Peachy, but keep your rifle by. Look at him, Daniel. He be as fair as us, with yellow hair. So he does. Part of the lost tribes, these people are. He stopped. I await your command, for ye who speak in the voice of thunder. By oh, the Lord, Harry, Peachy, we're in luck. It's the old Afghan tongue he speaks. Speak up! Who are you, and whence do you come? I am High Priest, and the chief of the village of Bashkai. A journey of only a few heartbeats. This Bashkai, how many people? They are numbered in the thousands. There are more villages in the hills? More than a man has fingers and toes. Hear that, Peachy? Is our kingdom made to order. And you, you're going to take us to Bashkai. Do you understand? I understand the voice of thunder that you speak. Oh, he's a smooth one, Peachy. He knows a thing or two. <laughs> What's your name? Mazur Khan Jagdalur. That's too long. What shall we call him, Peachy? He has a look about him of an old soldier and friend of ours. Billy Fish. So he does. We bestow a new name on you. From now on, you will be Billy Fish. As you command, I obey. All right. Put this on your drums. Till them two kings have come out from the mountaintops. Two kings that speak in words of thunder so the earth trembles. Till them two kings have come to Kafiristan. That you, Peachy? Damn you. Why be you sitting here in the dark? I've been thinking. A man has to stop and think sometimes. About anything special, Nanyan? Look at them, Peachy. Look at their blinking campfires a-gleaming in the dark like the jewels in a crown. Aye, Daniel. You've done a fine job for sure. All 23 villages you joined together as one. Tis the army you trained to be thanked for it. Two thousand men with a fair knowledge of bearing arms. Some's a bit green at it yet. They're ours now, every man, jack, woman, and child. We own them, body and soul. Aye, we're kings now, Daniel. Not proper kings yet, but we will be. Sooner than you think, Peachy. How's that? Billy Fish told me something today that fair amazed me. These people know the craft. You mean they're Freemasons, Daniel? It ain't no wise possible. So help me, it's gospel true. He give me the grip and everything. It's old, the craft is older than the memory of man. And up here in the hills, they've been preserving it all these years. Why, some of the high priests know up through the fellow craft. 
But they don't know the third degree. See it, Peachy? They don't know the third degree. But we do. Daniel, what is it you're fixing to do? Do? We're going to be proper kings. We're going to get them going and coming now. I'm going to turn the whole country into one grand lodge, raise some of the priests to third degree, and for me, I'll be the Grand Master of Kafiristan. Oh, but you ain't got the right to. We never been officers in no lodge. Right. What's a king got to do with asking for a right? Oh, I'm against it, Daniel. It's no good to go fooling around with the craft. Ah, you talk like an old woman. The thing will work. I know it will. We'll make it a blooming ceremony. Regular aprons with the symbol and the marks. All of us, Peachy. The kings of Kafiristan. Everything is prepared, Master. And the priests and the people wait. Well, they don't have to wait much longer, Billy. Here now, Peachy. How do you like my apron? It's a wondrous sight for fair, Daniel. Made of white ermine skin, it is. And the master's mark with emeralds studded. The mark? You know the meaning of the mark? That I do. What's got into you, Billy? Not. But tis a thing that's passing strange, master. Strange and rubbish. Come along now. Ready, Peachy? Right with you, Daniel. Then out we go. Onto the temple steps. We'll give them what for. Knock their blinking eyes out. That's what we'll do. Look at them, Peachy! Right down on their blooming knees and yelling their full heads off. Oh, it's a good thing to be a king, Daniel. The mark! Behold! The mark! This is a sign! The promised ones have come! Here now. What's wrong with the priest, Billy? It looks like trouble, Daniel. No. Stand where you are, Master. They recognize the mark. That great stone in the floor. Why do they turn it over? Wait. It's the same! He burns the mark! The promised one! That Speak up, Billy Fish. What's the meaning of it? See for yourself. Look. Daniel! Carved on the back of the stone. It is the master's mark, all right. And the same as the sign you wear. Only a few of the priests have known of the hidden mark on the stone. What does it mean? The many who have doubted you were a god doubt no longer. And you, Billy? What do you think? I, master? I think that now it is the time for these. Daniel! Golden crowns! Aye, how they glitter. Fit for the brow of a king. Tis what we came for. Here now, put them on. We'll crown ourselves in our own right. <laughs> Listen to them. You know something, Peachy? We come here to be kings and that we are all right. But blamed if we ain't a couple of blooming gods to boot with a million people bowing on their knees before us. Well enough, Peachy. So it was gods you became as well as kings. But then, what happened? What became of Daniel Dravot? Dravot? I knew Daniel Dravot once. 
He's a king now, Daniel is. Where's a golden crown? Carmen was with him. Peachy, try to pull yourself together. I, I'll try. Now, you became kings, you and Daniel. Kings of all Kefiristan. He was a fine figure, Daniel was. With his red head wearing that golden crown. Kept himself aloof from the people, so to speak. And when he walked up all the temple, the fair crawled on their stomachs to worship him. But what happened, man? Happened? Well, I figure mostly it was winter coming on. The winds were starting up, and the clouds was blowing down from the north. Oh, it could blow beastly cold, that winter wind. Hey, who's out there? That you, Billy? Confound it anyway. Here now, what's this? I, I have brought you food, master. Stew of the wire sheep with curry and rice. Up off your knees, girl. Bring it inside. Thank you, master. Uh, place it there. Hmm. Now, you're a well-favoured wench. I do not understand. Why were you crawling on your knees? It is a fitting way to approach the god of Kafiristan. What's your name, girl? Maruma Fenja. Maruma? You married... It has not yet been my happy fortune, Master. Are you afraid of me? You are a god. I mean, how do I seem to you? Do you find me pleasing or, or what? Your face is more wondrous than the noonday sun. And your look, the look of eagles. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, very well, you may leave now. Thank you, Master. Hmm. Marum, eh? Peachy! Peachy! Is you calling me, Daniel? Oh, the food's here, eh? Good. Knock that wind outside. Winter's about due to strike and fill the trail with snow. There'll be little moving about afore spring. Right you are. Peachy, I've decided to take a wife. But you can't do it, Daniel. We made a contract. That was till we was kings. Well, kings, we've been many months now. Oh, but it's no good. I tell you now, I, I'm against you. Against it? You was against using the craft too. But look what it done for us. Oh, but this is different. Billy Fish will tell you no too, the same as I do. Billy Fish, huh? Who's the king here, him or me? My mind's made up. Three days from now, I shall have me a wife. And you can put it on the drums and tell every blighter out there in the hills. The kingdom of Kafiristan is going to have a queen. Keeping her, Peachy. They should have brought her in here half an hour ago. I don't know, Daniel. How about you, Billy Fish? You put them up to stalling off deliberate like? Certain preparations must be made, Master. 
She's across the court with some of the priests. Maybe they're trying to harden her up a bit, Daniel. She thinks she's going to die, you know. Die indeed. Why, I'm only... Master, it is against the laws of heaven for a woman to marry a god. I'm not a god. I'm a man. You know that by now, Billy. No. And I should not want to think so, Master. But either way, this can mean only trouble. I beg you to reconsider. And I beg you to shut up, Billy. I'm through waiting. I'm going over there. Master, please. We've got to go with him, Billy. And I'm thinking it's going to mean trouble. How many men can you defend, depend on? No more than 20 with rifles. Most of my men are in Bashkai. Then what shall we do? We shall have to make a run for it, I fear. We might be safe in Bashkai. Come on now, you buckling fool. Bring out the girl. Well, now, that's better. Here, girl, this is no way for a bride to behave. A smile now. And give us a kiss. Oh! The wench has bitten me. Bloodbuster, don't let them see the blood. Look, see the blood. It's not a god or a devil, but only a man. Blast. What is this, Ross? It's too late. Mark, Daniel, they're coming with knives. They can't do this. I'm the king. You've got to run for it, Master. Oh, come on, Daniel, come on. I'll come back. I'll come back and beat their blasted heads in. That's what I'll do. Sure, Daniel. We'll be back all right. How much further, Billy? Uh, only a short way beyond this ridge, Master. Well, so far, so good. Uh, last them blooming drums are stopped. We're at the top, Daniel. A right good climb it's been. Oh, wait. Look. Seems the drums have come before us, Master. Cut off. No less than a thousand of them standing there quiet-like, with them wicked long knives in their hands. There'll be no getting past them, Daniel. No. We are done for. Go back, Billy Fish, and take your men away with you. Go with him, Peachy. It's me they want. I did it. Me, the king. No, Dan. I'm sticking with you. Billy Fish, you clear out. I am your friend. I stay with you. You're a good man, Billy. Maybe come in now, Daniel. Peachy. Forget it, Daniel. I forgive you freely and fully. Then let them come. There'll be one thing they can't change, Peachy. We've been kings. Kings in our own right. Kings of all Kapuristan. Open poor Billy Fish like a blooming hell in they did. There in the snow and the rocks. Good Lord, man. But you, Peachy, you got away from them. Like no way did I get away from them. They had us for fair, all right. Strung me out on a tree. 
drove nails right through my hands. They did. See? But I fooled them all right. Because morning came. I wasn't no wise dead. And then I made them think I'd lost my senses. I was afraid to harm me because I was protected by Allah. They cut me down then, and after a while, they let me go. You poor devil. But what of Drabbit? What happened to Daniel? Daniel is the king. He wears the golden crown. But now, what happened to him? He's never left me. All them long months walking on the road back, he kept me safe. The mountains, they danced at night. But Daniel held up his hands and Peachy came along, bent double. I'd never let go of Daniel's hand. Not Daniel's head that they gave me in the temple. As a present is with me now, here in this bundle. You knew old Daniels, him that was a monarch once. Look at him now. have seen that we was really kings. I'll be on my way. You'll, you'll pardon me, sir? I let him go. There was little else to do. He was only hours away from his death. I sat there and stared at the bundle he had left lying on my desk. Stared as the pale shafts of dawn struck fire in the red beard. Stared at the golden crown, sitting too large and heavy upon the wrinkled, mummified head of Daniel Dravot. The man who would be king. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. Tonight's story, Rudyard Kipling's The Man Who Would Be King, was adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield and featured Raymond Lawrence as Peachy, Eric Snowden as Daniel Dravitt, and Herbert Rawlinson as Kipling. Musical effects were created and conducted by Cy Fewer. Next week, CBS and its affiliated stations invite you to escape in Operation Florida Lee, an episode from the files of the OSS. And so, good night. 
Until a week from tonight, when again we invite you to escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.